Welcome to Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. I am your host. That means I am Ravi Lula. Appreciate you taking the time to listen this week. Uh, on the show today, we have uh, opening week of NFL. I want to go over some gambling futures, uh, both Super Bowl odds and some prop bets that I like as well. Of course, we're going to talk about Antonio Brown and all of his nonsense. It's going to be a football-heavy show uh, with the NFL opening week. We're also going to talk about Nebraska, Colorado, and some college football picks I like as well. I do want to give you a heads up. I am recording this on Thursday before the Bears and Packers game, so I am going to address the Bears specifically coming up here in a little bit. Um, as long as nothing crazy happens, um, it should all still be relevant, but just wanted to give you a heads up on that as well. We are going to get started as soon as we hear from our first ad. Thank you to Fruitful Design for supporting Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. Fruitful helps businesses and nonprofits be, well, fruitful with top shelf design and strategy. Whether you need a logo, website, or anything else to help promote your business, which I needed all of, by the way, Fruitful can help you grow. They helped me set up my website for Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula and were quick, friendly, and professional. Check Fruitful out online at, fruitful at www.fruitful.design. Once again, that's www.fruitful.design. All right, let's get into it with the NFL starting off this week. And really wanted to touch first on uh, some teams I think are a little overrated and underrated heading into the season here. Uh, we'll start with the overrated first because that's more fun. Uh, one team right off the bat that I think is uh, getting maybe a little bit too much hype is the Los Angeles Rams. I know a lot of people think that they can possibly go back uh, and make another Super Bowl trip. And I'm just I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I do expect their defense to be good again this year, but you do have to remember that they are uh, losing in Dominican Sioux. Uh, they still have Aaron Donald there, obviously, but uh, I know Sue didn't have a huge impact for him last year, but uh, he is a, a still uh, impactful NFL starter in general, and uh, that is a loss there. Um, the other thing that concerns me the most, out and but even more so than that, is Jared Goff at quarterback. I just don't know... I feel like they may have overachieved a little bit last year, and Jared Goff may have overachieved a little bit in Sean McVay's system. Uh, you have to think that the league's going to catch up with McVay eventually, and it looked like uh, Bill Belichick did that in the Super Bowl. Obviously, no one else in the league has Bill Belichick as their coach, but you wonder if they can take some things from that blueprint and make them portable from week to week for your more pedestrian teams in the NFL that may have an impact on what they're able to do offensively for the Rams. The other thing is I just don't know how good Jared Goff is. Uh, he really struggled the last five weeks of the season, only averaged 230 yards per game with six touchdowns and six picks. Um, so his really good games and really good uh, good performances and overall numbers on the season uh, are kind of can might be misleading. Uh, that's not to say that he, he may not pick it back up and and return to form that he had the first 11 weeks of the season but there is a little bit of cause for concern for me on that part and I just I don't know I didn't like what I saw from him in the playoffs and I just don't know 
if he really is that level of quarterback that his numbers would have seemed to indicate or if that was kind of a product of the system of McVay, which, as I said, may maybe the league is going to catch up with this year. Uh, so I have some concerns there with the Rams. Uh, one of the other teams that I think is prime for regression is the Chicago Bears. Um, they relied heavily on defense and turnover margin last year uh, on their way to 12-4. and four. Their defense really carried them at times. And what you have to worry about there is defense and turnover margin tend to be two of the leading areas where regression occurs, specifically turnover margin. Uh, so you have to worry about them not getting as many of those breaks as they got last year. It seemed like at times last year, every time they needed a big defensive play, every time they needed a turnover, they got it. And historically in football, that just doesn't keep up long term. So you wonder if that's going to be an issue as well. Um, again, I have questions about their quarterback uh, in Chicago as well with Mitch Trubisky. Again, in his last five games of the season, he only averaged 183 yards per game, five touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, not exactly the most stellar performance um, those last five weeks of the season. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they regressed to a 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six type team, um, both with Trubisky at quarterback and the defense. Uh, just not regressing because the defense is any worse. Just statistically, that ten that tends to be what happens uh, for those top two, three defenses in the league every year. They tend to fall back into that top ten range. So not necessarily going to be able to carry them the same way that they did last year. The last team that I have as far as teams that I consider to be pretty overrated uh, is the Cleveland Browns. And this isn't necessarily an indictment on the Browns so much as it is uh, just the hype and the and the excitement around Cleveland. I know everybody wants Cleveland to finally have a good winning season and everybody likes Baker Mayfield, but we have to remember that this team really hasn't done anything yet. They were a losing team last year still, and I know that a lot of that had to do with Hugh Jackson at the start of the season uh, with Freddie Kitchens. Um, they, they should be better and they should uh, make up for some of that ground last year that, that they lost with Hugh Jackson. But again, they just haven't proven anything yet. And you have to wonder uh, what the expectations will do to them as a team. It seems like they've been okay so far in terms of their you know public comments and everything, but you really don't know until they get on the field and, and start racking up wins or, or not. So uh, that's a concern for me for the Browns, just because let's be honest, that's not a <laughs> that's not a franchise that's had to deal with a lot of expectations in their history, and I uh, just don't know how they're going to deal with that now. So uh, I do have some concerns. I mean, I think the Browns' gambling odds for winning the Super Bowl are like plus fourteen hundred. They're right there in that kind of second tier of teams with Chicago and Philadelphia and. I just don't know that I don't know that they're deserving to be in that group. Do I think they have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. But I wouldn't put them as a legitimate Super Bowl contender until we see something from them. Um, let's move on to underrated teams, teams that I think might actually outperform what we expected of them or what most people expect of them coming into the season. First team I have there is uh, Philadelphia Eagles. They have... Incredible offensive line play, and 
that's one of the things that translates the best from season to season, uh, even though they had a bit of a down year last year. And really, Carson Wentz is the big key here. If he's able to stay healthy, um, they're, they're going to be in pretty good shape. He was, he's been an MVP caliber type quarterback when healthy. Uh, the issue, again, has been staying healthy. Um, so if he's able to stay on the field and, and be a, a consistent presence for Philadelphia and be healthy when the playoffs come around, um, that's going to be a huge, uh, it's going to be a huge victory for them. And I think they're going to be a lot better than people expect. Not that people don't expect them to be good, but I think they could be a serious Super Bowl contender if Carson Wentz is healthy. The other thing with Philadelphia is they had a big pickup uh, in Jordan Howard from Chicago, rushed for 1,000 yards two of the last three years, and I think 900 last year. So he's a, a big productive back and uh, can be a key part of their offense. So that's big for them. And also it's a big loss for the Bears as part of the reason uh, they might regress as well. So uh, I think Philadelphia is going to be a little bit better than people expect. I think they're, um, and we'll talk about this when we get to my gambling Super Bowl prop odds here, but I think Philadelphia is one of the teams um, that, that can definitely win the Super Bowl. Uh, last team that I have for underrated is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this really has to do <laughs> more with addition by subtraction as much as anything. And really that has 100% to do with Antonio Brown. Um, I'll touch on him here in a second on the other side of this overrated, underrated segment, but I think the Steelers, either one of two things happened here. Either Antonio Brown, after leaving the Steelers, completely went off the deep end and has gone from slightly, I guess, prima donna diva status to full-fledged nut job, or the Steelers did an incredible job of keeping him under wraps and under control uh, during his time there. So either way, they're better off without him, obviously. Uh, they've got Juju Smith-Schuster, who should be able to step up into that number one wide receiver role. And they've got a couple options in Dante Moncrief and James Washington to step in as the number two. I think they'll be fine there at wide receiver. Obviously, they played without Le'Veon Bell last year. James Conner really didn't skip a beat. Uh, incredibly productive for them. And as long as the big question mark with Pittsburgh is when will Ben Roethlisberger start to regress? And that's my only hesitation with Pittsburgh. Um, but it seems like they've been a little bit written off partially because of the hype around the Cleveland Browns. Um, I would still bet on the Steelers to win that division over the Browns. And I, I really think that the only question mark is if or when Ben Roethlisberger starts to show signs of his age and, and regression. It's not like he's kept himself in the best shape in the world. So when he does start to age, it'll probably be pretty severe. Um, so you're basically just betting against him aging this year and this being the year that he falls off the cliff. So uh, that would be my that would be my only concern with Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think not having Antonio Brown in that locker room is going to be a huge plus for them. And speaking of Antonio Brown... Believe it or not, there's even more nonsense going on with him. We'll get to that here just on the other side. Well, in case you missed it, Antonio Brown is being crazy again. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this guy. If you haven't been paying attention to, I guess, hard knocks or NFL offseason news, let me just give you a quick recap. Uh, number one, starting last year, forces his way out of 
Pittsburgh basically pulls himself out of a last game of the season. Um, you know, fairly typical diva wide rece- receiver behavior, nothing too crazy. Then shows up to uh, the Oakland Raiders training camp with frostbitten feet because he apparently couldn't follow the instructions on the cryo chamber that he was in in, Fren- in France. To be fair, the instructions were probably in French, so maybe he couldn't read them. Uh, but you have to figure he had been in a cryo chamber before, so maybe don't go in without socks or something. I don't really know how they work, uh, cryo chambers. I feel like your entire body should be frostbitten when you go into one of those. But apparently that's not the case, so you would think a professional athlete would uh, read the instructions and figure out how to not you know, get his feet frostbitten uh, right before the NFL season. So that's you know another thing. Then he had the whole helmet saga where he threatens to retire if he can't use a helmet, uh, didn't meet safety requirements. Finally, I think last week, found a new helmet that was approved. He was happy for about two days and then gets into a fight, basically, with Raiders general manager Mike Mayock over a letter that Mayock sent him outlining his fines for missing parts of of training camp due to uh, both the feet and the helmet issue. And Antonio Brown apparently just lost it. And I touched on this a little bit when uh, talking about the Steelers being underrated. I don't know if this is new behavior from him or if it's just new that we're hearing about it. The differences between the Raiders and the Steelers as an organization really can't be exaggerated. The Raiders are, um, how do I put this nicely, a bleep show. And the Steelers are one of the more put-together organizations in professional sports. They seem to have their stuff together. The Raiders do not have their stuff together. And so I don't know if Antonio Brown has always been this person and the Steelers were able to deal with it and keep it under wraps and, you know, keep it in-house and and deal with it and still be fairly successful, or if this is new extra Antonio Brown that the Steelers never had to deal with. I, I lean toward the former for this reason. The Steelers were very eager to get away from one of the best receivers in football. And unless he was displaying this type of behavior, I don't know that that would have been the case. Now, to be fair, they also moved off of Le'Veon Bell, who was seemingly a model citizen. He just wanted more money. And maybe they just weren't willing to pay a running back, and that's why they moved on from him. The situations are pretty different, but uh, Antonio Brown also wanted more money. And also obviously had all this baggage as well. So it's hard to tell if Brown was being like this the entire time in Pittsburgh, or at least towards the end there, why they were so eager to get away from him. But obviously they made the right call there because now the Raiders are going to, it seems as if, suspend Antonio Brown. And by the time you listen to this, they may have suspended him already. And, There's even talks that they might just move on from him entirely, meaning find a way to cut him. There's talks that they might be trying to find a way to void his contract. He signed a three-year, $30 million deal with, uh, with the Raiders, and it seems as though they might be trying to set up their pieces with the suspension 
uh, to give them grounds to avoid that contract. And so this Antonio Brown thing is just a complete mess. And it's, it's shocking and not shocking at the same time. It's shocking in the sense that, you know, we haven't seen this type of behavior from him before, but it doesn't necessarily seem out of character from what we've learned about Antonio Brown over the past couple years and certainly over the past couple months. It's just a completely bizarre chain of events. And that leads me to wonder if this is new behavior. I, I have to wonder because it is football and he plays a position where, you know, he gets hit a lot. You have to wonder if some of this is the result of repeated concussions, repeated head trauma. I don't want to make light of a situation if that's the case obviously, but it has to be mentioned for no other reason that this behavior is almost too bizarre and kind of is swinging back and forth from, I mean, as, as recently as last week, he had figured out his helmet situation and, and seemed to be ready to go and ready to contribute to this week. He had to know a memo was coming from the general manager for all the time he'd missed, and it seemed to set him off and they got into an all I mean he got into an altercation with the general manager of the team and it's unclear whether or not it turned physical or not but it was described as heated you have to wonder with that dramatic of behavior if there's something going on here aside from the fact that Antonio Brown is being a diva you have to wonder if this is some of the early signs of the CTE that we see in players and that type of thing I don't want to give Antonio Brown an an excuse if this is just him being him but with what we've learned about football and football players over the past several years it has to be mentioned and it can't be it can't be ruled out that there's something else going on here there's something going on maybe with Antonio Brown's head that is causing some of this bizarre behavior because if this isn't something that the Steelers had to deal with if this is a more recent onset of of rash decisions and, and that type of thing, it it's hard to make the argument that someone just turns into this type of person without uh, a mitigating factor, whether it be, you know, it could just be something as, as simple as, as life events that he's got going on or, uh, or something like that, or, you know, something more serious like uh, the head trauma that, that can be caused by football. So, that's the latest chapter in the Antonio Brown saga, I guess. I doubt that it's over. I'm sure we'll hear more soon. But it seems as if the Raiders are setting themselves up to possibly try and void his contract, which I have to imagine will be incredibly messy and long and drawn out. And, I mean, that's the Raiders for you. That's kind of what they do. On a much, much lighter note, having to deal with Antonio Brown, the prop bets on him in Vegas in terms of his season totals were over under 100 catches, over under, I think, 1,200 yards, and over under 12 touchdowns, I believe. Your boy went ahead and took the under on all of those a week ago, and as long as they're not voiding those bets because he went crazy and gets kicked off the team or anything like that, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances right now, if for no other reason that he's going to be suspended for who knows how long and is not going to play a full season. So, Feel pretty good about that right now uh, to put a much lighter spin on uh, what's going on with Antonio Brown. 
And that leads me right into what I want to get into next with the gambling futures for the NFL coming up uh, with both Super Bowl odds and a couple of prop bets that I like as well, aside from the Antonio Brown ones, uh, which I have to imagine are off the board now. But if they're not, just go ahead and and get out there and pound those unders on Antonio Brown because I feel like this entire season is just going to be a disaster, both for the Raiders and for Antonio Brown. But some of the other individual prop bets that I like, number one is uh, there were a couple, I think there's a couple good values in the category of leading the league in passing yards, and those are Drew Brees at plus 1,600 and Tom Brady at plus 2,500. Brady was in the top 10 passing yards last year, uh, passed for about 4,300 yards. The league leader was around 51, 5,200. That was Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question if they've got, and again, this is a big if with Josh Gordon, but if they've got a, a healthy Josh Gordon for, I don't know, 10, 12 games even, then that total could pretty easily jump up into that next level uh, for Tom Brady. So uh, got to like his value there at 25 to 1. The other guy, and it surprised me that his numbers were this high, were uh, was Drew, Drew Brees at plus 1,600. Uh, he threw for 5,200 yards in 2016, so that's just two years ago. If you believe that he's still got it and that he's not falling off the cliff at 40, uh, then you got to feel pretty decent at plus 1,600, even though he did finish the year under uh, 4,000 yards for the first time last year in about a decade almost, it seems like. But he does have a history of throwing in the high 4,000 and, and over 5,000 yards in a season. Uh, if you like the Saints and you think – uh, Breeze is, is still got it, then that's good value there at 16 to 1 on Drew Breeze. The other thing that I like for an individual prop prop bet is Matt Patricia to be the first coach fired. Uh, I think they call it the first coach to leave his post now. So I don't know if they're covering themselves in case they in case the teams put it as a hey he resigned and he's got a buyout or however they phrase it, but. Basically, it's first coach fired. I like Matt Patricia at plus 900. Lions were bad last year. I think they're going to be bad again this year. I don't think Matt Patricia is a very good coach. It doesn't seem like most of the league thinks Matt Patricia is a very good coach. He kind of seems like a walking punchline around the league. So I feel like that's pretty good value at 9-1 to odds there for Matt Patricia. A couple guys were higher than him, which I was surprised by. Uh, but plus 900 for Matt Patricia uh, feels like good value there if you are inclined on uh, betting on when people get fired. Don't worry. Don't feel bad about his family. They get giant fat buyouts, so uh, don't don't feel too bad about betting on, on somebody getting fired. Uh, moving on to the Super Bowl odds that I like. We'll start basically with the fact that I think there's four teams that can win the Super Bowl this year, and those are New England, Kansas City, New Orleans, and Philadelphia. New Orleans, again, is heavily going to depend on whether or not Breeze is still Breeze. And despite the fact that he struggled a little bit in his last four or five games of the regular season, bounced back, thought he played well in the playoffs. I don't have huge concerns about Drew Breeze right now, much less so than it seems like other people who are kind of trying to bury him, and and I think it's premature. I get that he's 40, I get that he's like five foot four, and I get that he's, you know, hasn't looked like a great athlete pretty much at any point in his life, but 
Um, none of that's new. He's been old for the last few years. He's been short his entire life, and he's never looked that athletic. So if he was good last year and last couple years, I, I don't really see anything dramatic in him that I think he's going to fall off the map there. So that's New Orleans at plus 800. Uh, that's not the best value on the board, um, but I do think they are one of the four teams that can win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't necessarily put money on them because I don't love the value there. The team that I do really like the value on is Philadelphia at plus 1,400. Uh, as mentioned in my underrated section, uh, Carson Wentz has been basically an MVP caliber quarterback when he's healthy. This is a bet that Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy. Offensive line is there. The defensive there is there. They add Jordan Howard. I like this team. I think they can be really good. And if Carson Wentz stays healthy, I think they're in really good shape at uh, 14 to 1 there. Now, the other two are pretty much no-brainers in New England and Kansas City. And these are actually pretty good value, even though they are the two favorites. New England's at plus 700. Kansas City's at plus 800. I'll start with New England because they're kind of a no-brainer. They're always a contender to win the Super Bowl, and usually this number's a lot lower. And so this is good value just by the fact that it's usually plus 500 or less. I think some years it's as low as plus 3, plus 400 for them to win the Super Bowl. So getting them at plus 700, really not bad value there. Kansas City is plus 800. And listen, the only reason they're even that high is because people still don't trust Andy Reid. And listen, that's fair. He's been around a long time. He's had really successful regular seasons and not very many successful postseason runs. The reason I like them here, A, is because I think that is a good value at plus 800. B, you have to imagine Patrick Mahomes continues to get better. I understand that a lot of guys that throw 50 touchdowns have immediate regression after that, but none of those guys were really in their second year uh, at least recently, you know, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, we're not in their second year of being in the league. Their first year as a as a full time starter. You have to imagine Patrick Mahomes just continues to improve. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I like Damian Williams there at running back. They just signed Lashawn McCoy as well, who's obviously got some familiarity with Andy Reid from his Philadelphia days. Be interesting to see what they do uh, in or how they look in terms of running back without Kareem Hunt. But I think they'll be okay. Uh, they've got tons of weapons all over the field. Uh, Travis Kelsey at the tight end. You still got Ty- Ty- Tyreek Hill stretching the field there. And you might have the, honestly, you might have the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes. And I think he's still getting better. He's kind of one of those, reminds me of Giannis Atetokounmpo in, in Milwaukee for the Bucks. Won the MVP last season, and I don't think he's as good as he's going to be. It's kind of the same thing with Mahomes. I, I think he was the best quarterback in football last year. Uh, it's hard to argue with with the, with the numbers there, and I don't I don't think he's as good as he's gonna be. So that's uh, honestly Kansas City at plus eight hundred might be the best bet on the board. Uh, Philadelphia at plus fourteen hundred is probably the best value, um, but again, it's hard to it's hard to bet against New England uh, at plus seven hundred as well. So those are some of the NFL bets that I like heading into the season. Just kind of a, a, for a matter of the way I view things and. In terms of betting, I really, I don't typically bet the NFL from week to week. Uh, the game lines on the NFL are, for my money, they're they're very very good and they're very close uh, to what the actual scores end up being. And so I just don't feel like there's a ton of value there, and I don't have the comfort level in some of those 
game-to-game, week-to-week bets in the NFL uh, that I do in college. And you have to think about it this way. In the NFL, you're dealing with at most 16 games a week. And in college, you've got 16 games just between a couple of conferences. You've got five major conferences. Then you've got the group of five right outside that. You're talking about 130 teams in Division One college football. That's four times more teams, more games than any given week in the NFL. Now, this matters because odds makers only have so much time and attention to pay to these things. They pay so much more time and attention to getting the lines accurate in these games that are heavily bet. Well, the NFL is the most heavily bet thing on the planet for the most part. So getting the lines right in the NFL is much more important to them than getting the lines right in college. And I'll be honest with you, even major college football, some of those really big games, you know, you've got LSU-Texas this week, that number six versus number nine. That's probably a stay away for me if for no other reason that Vegas probably got that line right. With a high-profile matchup like that, I believe that game's on in prime time. You're probably getting a really close, really accurate, well-researched number out of Vegas for a game like that. The games I'm going to give you later are, listen, they're high-profile games, but they're much less uh, high-profile in terms of public money going on these games. And so if there's not as much exposure for Vegas, it's my belief that the lines aren't quite as accurate. Uh, that's why I like betting kind of mid-major college basketball and some of these little bit more obscure uh, college football games as well. So uh, we'll get to those college football picks later, but that's my philosophy on NFL gambling. I, I do think there is still value in futures and some of these prop bets, but game-to-game, week-to-week, that's probably not something I'm going to be uh, interested in just because uh, I think Vegas usually gets it right on a week-to-week basis. So uh, for me, it's a stay away. If you like doing it and having fun anyway, you know, I don't blame you at all. I do the same thing in college football, college basketball for the NFL, the week-to-week stuff, just not for me. All right, we're going to get to Nebraska versus Colorado and some college football picks here on the other side right after this word from a sponsor. I want to give a quick shout-out to Ryan Hines with the elite Nebraska team at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Ambassador Real Estate. I've known Ryan for a long time. And I know he will do everything he can to help you buy a new home or sell your current home or both. Just the other day, I wanted to see a house. So I sent Ryan a message and he got me a showing less than 12 hours later. And I texted him at not a business hour. He was by his phone, got back to me right away. It was very helpful. He will take great care of you. You can give Ryan Hines a call at 402-630-8916. Or send him an email at ryan at elitenebraska.com. Again, that's 402-630-8916. Or send him an email at ryan at elitenebraska.com for any of your real estate needs. Welcome back to Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. Let's go ahead and get into the Nebraska versus Colorado matchup uh, this weekend. And... I think Nebraska fans had quite a bit more confidence heading into this game before they played South Alabama, uh, after they saw the anemic offense that the Huskers rolled out there on Saturday, didn't feel quite as confident uh, heading into Boulder. And I I mean, I think that's reasonable. The offense didn't look good. Adrian Martinez, he looked sluggish to me. And I don't know, there's a couple different things that, that could be in play there. Obviously, there was issues with Cam Jurgens and the snaps. 
Hale Varsity did a great uh, little number crunch where they explained that on 48% of the snaps that were on target, Nebraska's offense stayed on schedule, which is uh, comparative to their offense last year, which was pretty solid. When the snap was off target, either he had to reach or jump for the ball. Uh, that basically got cut in half. So it obviously was the percentage of success got cut in half. So that obviously was a factor. How much of a factor, I don't know. Uh, but Martinez did look sluggish to me. Um, word out of camp is out of practice, I guess, not camp anymore, uh, that they did scale back a little bit on the playbook to give Martinez fewer things to focus on. And to me, the way he looked either... He was thinking too much, wasn't just being reactive and and being a, a football player out there. Or And this is something that I thought when I heard that he put on 25 pounds in the offseason. Um, they said it was good weight. They said it was muscle. He looks good, but some guys don't play as well carrying the extra weight around. I'm not saying he's out of shape. I'm not saying he's – I'm not saying it's not good weight in terms of body fat percentage. But some guys just don't play as well when they're carrying around extra weight. I don't know if that's part of the deal with Martinez. Um, he looked indecisive both on running and throwing. You would think the weight would more affect just the running, but if he's uncomfortable in general, it's hard to say um, what all that could affect. Uh, it's something that, just to think about, I, I spoke to some beat writers in the offseason about this. They didn't think it was going to be an issue. They didn't think it was going to weigh him down at all, but here's the thing. He could still be running the same 40 time and still not be comfortable in his body carrying that much weight around. It's a thing that happens sometimes, and it's hard to tell how that affects the guy. I could be totally off base, but it's something I noticed uh, and wanted to bring up just because it is a change in what we saw from him last year. If you're looking at things that are the same with Adrian Martinez versus uh, variables that may have played into his uh, play against South Alabama. Um, that's one of the things that I noticed that that was different. Now, again, might have just had a bad game. Maybe had too much on his mind in terms of playbook. Maybe it was strictly the snaps, uh, although you would hope that that would have got corrected in the second half when the offense was actually worse once, they, once the snaps kind of got back on target. Uh, but some things to think about, if he comes out, throws for 300 yards and runs for 80 more against Colorado. Nobody will even be talking about this next week. But um, as is, that is a concern and something that you have to really hope that Martinez returns to last year's form rather than what we saw from him last week. Speaking of last week, I'm assuming Maurice Washington will play again. I haven't heard any differently at this point. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a bizarre situation with Maurice Washington because this court case is still pending and in that sense you say okay do I want to punish a guy before he's made guilty or not guilty uh, I don't know his his court date got pushed back again to mid-October so you're really not going to have any sort of resolution for at least another six weeks on that to me either you let him play or you sit him. The one half suspension was strange to me. I don't know what message that's supposed to send or what that's supposed to accomplish. You know, if he's guilty, obviously he doesn't play. If he's innocent, he continues to play. At this point, we don't know one way or another 
I'm fine with letting the, the, you know, the system play out and, you know, figure out if he's innocent or guilty. He can always redshirt this year. That's, that's an option for him. Probably not one he's thrilled about, but it is something he could do. It's just a difficult situation because again, you really don't know what the verdict's going to be. And with the court dates getting pushed back, it, it continues to put Nebraska in a spot where they continually have to make these decisions. And Obviously, the view of the program isn't the most important thing at play here when you have a court case, but Nebraska is going to end up looking really bad if they are playing a guy all season who ends up being guilty, could possibly you know, face sentencing for something like that as well. So that's a really tough look if you're in Nebraska. I don't know if they have more information that they're pretty confident he's going to either you know, plead down to a misdemeanor or get, uh, you know, uh, get the charges dropped somehow. I don't know if they have information that that's leading them to let him play, or if this is just a decision they made. Uh, but in general, I thought the first half suspension was just bizarre. Uh, unless you come out and say, "Hey, we're going to suspend him for the first half because of you know the position he's put his team in, or whatever," and it's not directly related to um, the charges themselves. I guess maybe, but they didn't come out and say that. They didn't get ahead of it. It was just, oh, he didn't play in the first half, and now he's playing. So that was kind of weird to me, and it's going to continue to be weird moving forward until there's some kind of resolution on his case. And uh, like I said, looks like unless they are working behind the scenes to get charges dropped or pled down, it looks like his preliminary hearing isn't going to be for about another six weeks. So this is going to be weird and uncomfortable for uh, at least a good portion of the season here. Uh, but moving on to actual play against Colorado, I think one of the big things that I'll be looking for besides uh, Martinez and if he bounces back from one of his poor performances as a Husker, uh, certainly his poorest when you uh, account for the level of team that he was playing, is whether or not the defense can continue to make those big impact splash plays like they did last week against South Alabama when they face when they face an uptick in competition against a Colorado team with a pretty good offense. That'll be the big uh, key for me, again, besides Martinez, just because the way that Shenander runs that defense, you are taking some you are taking some chances being aggressive, and, and you really do have to create those impact plays in order to make that aggressiveness worth it. Otherwise, you're just compromising, uh, putting yourself in compromising positions and not really getting any reward out of it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to make those impact plays if you remember last year in their first uh, game of the season against Colorado, they had, I believe, seven sacks. They were they were making big plays, and then the rest of the season um, struggled a little bit uh, through that losing streak in terms of making those big plays. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to keep that up in Game 2 this year um, as opposed to last year. With that Nebraska line at minus four the last I saw, I don't feel real great about that just because there are too many... Uh, question marks for me in terms of what Nebraska is bringing to the table. I just don't have any sort of comfort level with who they are, what they're doing, and how their quarterback's going to look. Frankly, so I don't have I don't have a big comfort level with them going on the road to Colorado. Um, they haven't won a road game in a long time, uh, so that's going to be that's going to be tough for them. I certainly think they can win, and I certainly think there's an opportunity if Nebraska plays their best that they could uh, certainly cover as well, but I don't have any 
I don't have any uh, good feelings about that. That's a stay away game for me, for sure. Uh, some picks that I do like for college football this week. And let me just put this out there. Um, I like to do parlays and because they're fun. And, you know, if you hit on one, you win quite a bit of money for what you put down. And so I enjoy doing that. I will say if you're, you know, going over to the casinos and council bluffs and actually trying to come out ahead on a weekend week out basis, don't do parlays. They're not smart plays. They're just more fun. Uh, and that's where they get you. You think you can, you know, triple, quadruple up your money by getting a couple games right. Well, there's a reason they put those odds on there because most people don't get those games right. So um, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't take your chances there unless you're just doing it for entertainment and having a good time, which is what I do it for. Uh, so uh, just that's just my two cents. If you're trying <laughs> if you're trying to actually win money, don't do parlays. If you're just trying to have fun, then go nuts. Uh, every once in a while, you'll hit on like a four or five teamer. It'll feel like Christmas. It's it'll just be the best day. So um, if that's worth it to you, then go for it. Uh, but a couple games that I like in college football on Saturday. Uh, we'll start out on the West Coast with the Pac-12. I like Stanford plus one at USC. Uh, USC's obviously got JT Daniels out. Uh, Keaton Slovis, their true freshman. Uh, is going to get his first start. And listen, he might be a good quarterback, but true freshman in their first start against a pretty good team doesn't seem like a winning recipe for me. The other thing is, basically, this for me comes down to David Shaw versus Clay Helton. David Shaw is a really good football coach. Clay Helton's a really bad football coach. That's kind of a no-brainer for me. I'm going to take David Shaw on that side, especially if I can get a point uh, any day of the week. So I do like Stanford plus one. Uh, the other Pac-12 game that I like is Washington minus 14 versus Cal. Cal barely snuck by UC Davis 27-13 last week and don't feel real great about that result for them. On the other side, I am a fan of Jacob Eason, the Georgia transfer for Washington playing quarterback. He threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns last week. Granted, against Eastern Washington, not a great team, but he might be really good. He had flashes of brilliance while he was at Georgia as well. And if he can put that all together for Washington, they're going to be really good this year. My last game that I like tomorrow uh, is Florida Atlantic University plus 10.5 over UCF. Um, this sounds kind of funny, but I think UCF is getting a little name recognition bump here um, as coming off the, the successful seasons under Scott Frost and then last year as well. Um, under Josh Heupel. My issue with UCF is, A, I think they're a little artificially inflated because of that. Um, the other thing is, I still don't know if their quarterback, Brandon Winbush, is any good. Um, he struggled at Notre Dame. That's why he transferred. He got beat out by Ian Book, and so now he's down at UCF. And UCF, it doesn't sound like they really know if he's any good either, um, as he's there's reports out there from the Orlando Sentinel that true freshman Dylan Gabriel might see some first half action for use uh, for uh, UCF as well. So doesn't seem like they're sold on Brandon Wimbush. I'm not sold on Brandon Wimbush either. Um, I like F I like FAU here. They put up 21 points against Ohio State last week after getting uh, boat raced early. Uh, mostly, I just want FAU to be good so Lane Kiffin can take over the FSU job because I'm already done with the Willie Taggart era there. And let's be honest. As annoying as Lane Kiffin was early in his career, 
Uh, I, I love him now. I think, I think he is one of the only interesting interviews in college football and is a lot of fun to listen to. And I think he's strangely honest and he's always been able to coach offense. So would really like to see him uh, take over that FSU program if he's able to have another good year at uh, Florida Atlantic. So I do like that plus 10 and a half uh, on Florida Atlantic over UCF. And I am going to put those three together for a parlay. Like I said, don't do parlays if you're trying to win money. Only do them if you're trying to have fun. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and leave you with that for your art, your gambling for the week. On the other side, I do want to touch real quick on the Bad Boys for Life trailer that dropped and uh, give my thoughts on that. But, we're ta- but first, we'll take our last break of the show. Hey, everybody. I wanted to tell you about my friend Janae at Creative Hair Design. She is simply the best in the business. Whether you need men's haircut and beard trim like I get once every three weeks, or if you need women's cut, hair color, or extensions, Janae will take care of you. I went in and got my haircut and beard trimmed literally the day before my wedding, and Janae had me looking my very best for my big day. And she'll do the same for you. Give Janae a call at Creative Hair Design at 402-330-5660 to schedule an appointment. Again, that's Janae at Creative Hair Design, 402 402- Three three zero five six six zero. I promise you will not regret it. All right. The last thing I want to get to today is the Bad Boys for Life trailer that came down, and now that was obviously the third installment. Don't get confused by the Four Life. It's the third installment in the Bad Boys uh, little universe there. And Martin Lawrence is back. Will Smith is back, and that movie is set to come out. Uh, January 17th, 2020. So you got a few months left to wait on that one. But listen, this isn't going to win any Oscars. It's not going to probably move anyone to tears or anything like that. This isn't one of those performances that Will Smith had in the early 2000s where he's uh, trying to win Best Actor or anything like that. But this does look like it's going to be a really fun popcorn movie. And despite coming out in January... Kind of like your summer blockbuster flick um, that everybody can enjoy. I expect it to be a lot like, it feels like a Fast and Furious movie. Um, But again, those are fun to watch. Loved Hobbs and Shaw. It's one of those things where not every boot movie has to be necessarily a piece of art to be entertaining, you know. And I think sometimes we get a little too serious with our movies. Listen, those movies can be great to watch too, the artistic ones, but sometimes you just want to turn something mindless on, laugh a little bit, and have some fun, and I think that's what Bad Boys for Life is going to be. Mostly, though, I want to use this as an excuse to talk about my love for Will Smith, because before there was Dwayne The Rock Johnson in my heart, there was Will Smith, the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so my affinity for Big Willie style goes all the way back to those Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days I used to watch when I was a kid. And he's got to be one of the more unlikely movie stars of our time, if you think about it. He was, first and foremost, a rapper. Kind of a campy, jokey rapper. But one, or one uh, what's the music one called? Grammys, there we go. One Grammys uh, for his rap. Was that clean, like I said, kind of campy, 
Uh, apparently, my dog Tallahassee does not agree that it was campy rap. She thinks it was just 90s stuff. But I think it was a little campy, personally. Um, but they make a show around him, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And nobody knows if he can actually act or not. But from that, gets his own television show on NBC, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Then this is a movie run he goes on, all right? While he's still on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he goes Bad Boys in 1995. Independence Day, Men in Black, all right in a row, and then Enemy of the State, which is an underrated, really good movie. He goes, knocks those four movies out in consecutive years, 95, 96, 97, 98. Four great, great movies. Now he hits a little hiccup at the turn of the century, goes Wild Wild West in 99, and Legend of Bagger Vance in 2000, which, listen, I'm going to ride for Legend of Bagger Vance. That's a funny movie. Matt Damon's in that. Uh, Charlize Theron, a young Charlize Theron's in that really funny movie. And if you remove the racist trope of the magical African-American with all the wisdom that was used a lot back in the day, you know, it's, it's a pretty good movie. I enjoyed a lot. I find it very watchable. Uh, most people disagree with me, so I'll put that in the bad category, but just know Legend of Bagger Vance, I will ride or die with that one. Um, but then he goes on another run of movies that everybody else liked besides me. Uh, Ali almost won his Academy Award for that one. Didn't quite get there in 2001. Then he goes Men in Black 2. He goes Bad Boys 2, which I will always forever believe that Bad Boys 2 is the better of the first two films. Bad Boys 2 is funnier, better movie than Bad Boys, the original. I'll fight you on that. I don't even care. He goes Bad Boys 2. I, Robot into hitch from hitch he goes pursuit of happiness and i am legend that's one two three four five six seven huge blockbuster movies in a row between 2001 and 2007 now after that he gets into hancock which i thought was a pretty good movie a lot of people didn't like it seven pounds which is just horribly depressing and then men in black uh three which was not great, although you did get that dope Pitbull song back in time out of that, so that's a plus. After that, he goes into the trying to make his kid's career thing with After Earth, and he, and he really starts to fall off. Although I will say Focus with Margot Robbie, I really enjoyed that movie, uh, but didn't do that well. Then he does the NFL concussion movie, Suicide Squad, not good. He did that Bright movie on Netflix, which was strange, had a really good soundtrack, but the movie was a little iffy at best. I haven't seen Aladdin yet, so I'm not going to comment there. But let's just say it's been a bit of a rough go lately uh, acting for Will Smith. I mean, even if you do like Focus, that's all the way back in 2015. It's We're going on a good four years since he made a good movie. Um, Aladdin's kind of an existing intellectual property, so even if you like that one, I don't really consider that a Will Smith movie, quote-unquote. So Bad Boys for Life could actually potentially be pretty big for Will Smith in terms of getting his career back on track. That being said, while Googling his uh, his filmography on IMDb, I found out that his net worth is like $350 million, so he could probably never work again and be just fine. Uh, but I do love me some Will Smith and would love to see him be in some good movies again. So I'm crossing my fingers that Bad Boys for Life is as good as the trailer looks even if it's not earth-shattering in terms of uh, artistic uh, uh, you know, artistic expression on film or anything like that. 
Uh, I just hope it's an entertaining couple hours where uh, basically Will Smith makes fun of Martin Lawrence, who, by the way, Martin Lawrence doesn't look great. Um, I get that he is getting older, but so is Will Smith. And Martin Lawrence he's, looks a little rough. The years have not been as kind to, to Martin Lawrence as they have been to Will Smith. But hopefully Martin Lawrence can turn it around as well. Uh, he might need this movie actually a little bit more than Will Smith does. Uh, that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show for today. I appreciate you listening. I do want to give you a little tease. Next week on Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula, I will have... Uh, local sports media personality uh, and good friend of mine, Josh Peterson, will be on the show. Uh, we'll be talking to him about just kind of his uh, his upbringing through, uh, you know, through getting uh, the internship and then becoming a producer and, and becoming uh, one of the hosts at, at 1620 at a pretty young age. Um, kind of what led him to that career and everything. And uh, we'll try and get into all that with with Josh next week. Um, that's what I'm interested in anyway. I think he puts on uh, interesting, entertaining radio, and I want to talk to him about that and kind of how he got to this point in his life. So I'm um, really excited to talk to Josh. Um, a few weeks from now, I'll be talking to Alex Sindelar of SB Nation. We're going to do a little Major League Baseball uh, playoffs preview, and we're going to fight about steroids in baseball. Um, so look for that at the end of the month. And also, don't forget, you've got a Meathead Monday coming uh, every Monday as well. So tune in for that. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to whatever your podcast uh, platform of choice is. Definitely appreciate your support. And thank you for listening to Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula.